0: Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, a lot of times when we as Christians talk about the end times, we we use the word rapture and second coming of Christ and we, we kind of use those interchangeably. And people will say, they'll, they'll be talking about the rapture and what they're really talking about is the second coming of Christ. Or, or more often, people will be talking about when Jesus comes or the second coming when they're actually talking about the rapture. And the, the point of my message today is to, to clarify what is the rapture and what is the second coming of Christ and, and make sure that those, those events are clear in our minds so that we aren't confused, first of all, and so that we can talk to other people About those events with with some sense of clarity. Now, the Apostle Paul was faced with an issue in the church at Thessalonica. And the believers there were concerned that their loved ones who had already died were going to miss the rapture. And so there was a lot of concern, there was a lot of worry within that church. And so Paul addresses that, that issue for them. And so I'm going to be using primarily Paul's writings on, on, on this topic to, to hopefully make it clear for us. Now, just so that we understand, we are currently living in the in-between era from when Jesus first came, which is known as his incarnation, and when Jesus will return, which we will call his coronation. Because when Jesus comes back to the earth again, he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19 we see a very dramatic picture of what that's going to look like. Beginning in verse 11, it says, Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in their finest white linen, followed him on a white horse. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release a, the fierce wrath of mighty. The the juice flowing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe, at his thigh, was written this title: King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now John is describing here what he's describing is the second coming of Jesus. This is not describing the rapture. When Jesus returns to the earth next, again, it won't be to a humble um, stable in Bethlehem and it won't be quietly like a thief in the night. When he returns to the earth again, he's coming visibly. And so what I want us to do is, is to, to again, make all of this clear in our heads. And let's begin with when Jesus left and went up into heaven in Acts chapter one, verses six through 12, we see the account of when Jesus left the earth for the last time, the last time. He in Acts chapter one, verse six, it says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you why are you standing there staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So what the angels say here is really important. You know, they they what they are telling us is that when Jesus comes, he is going to come down in the same manner that he went up in the clouds. And when you look at John's description of when Jesus returns in Revelation 19, again, it tells us that he comes in power and glory. And then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, Amen. So what we need to understand is that when Jesus returns the second time, this is a global event that everyone on the face of the earth will see him. Now, how does that happen? I don't know, because God is God. He can make things happen that we can't understand or, or, or d- explain but the, the angel said that, they would re, that he would return just as they saw him go, so in the clouds. But when he comes, if you'll notice, people all over the earth and people from all periods of time, it says even those who pierced him will see him come. Now, how does that happen? Because God is God. People who, the peop, the very people who executed Jesus, who crucified him, somehow are going to see Jesus as he returns. And then the last part of that, it says, and all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. What's going to happen is the world as we know, is rejecting Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus returns, the world is going to have rejected him. And so when they see him, they're going to go, oh, there will probably be a few words that we don't say in church that are said at that same time. But people are going to just go, oh, no, oh, oh because they don't want him being their king of kings and Lord of lords. Now, at this point, you may be saying, well, wait a minute. What what about the rapture? You know, I, I I don't understand this. It's understandable to be confused, because in one place the Bible says Jesus is coming quietly like a thief in the night. And yet we we just showed that he's coming and the whole world is going to see him. So which is true? Well, what you need to understand is that this in time has two major events, two two experiences for for a lack of better, better way of saying it. He is coming secretly like a thief in the night with the rapture. But when he comes in his second coming, he will be coming in power and glory. So let's let's look at these two events and understand them. Again, event one is the rapture when Jesus will catch away the church all believers, and event two is His revelation, His second coming, and that is a public event. So let's look at the rapture. The rapture um, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul talks about the rapture, beginning in verse 4, Or chapter four, verse 13, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So, encourage each other with these words. Now, in 1 Corinthians, we see another example of the same event. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 15, verse um, 51, it says, "'But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever.'" And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed to, into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that, um, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, now. What this is describing is when Jesus comes for his bride, the church, he will come like a bridegroom to take the church away, and we will be caught up to meet him in the air. Now, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says, um again here's another scripture paul says and now brethren concerning the coming of our lord jesus christ and our gathering together to him paul addresses their concerns about the the coming of the lord and notice that he says our gathering together to him he doesn't come down to the earth we go up to meet him in 1 Corinthians 15 that I just read to you, he, he, he's talking about this, and he says that it happens in the blink of an eye that we will be transformed, that the, the graves will give up their dead, and then those that are living will be transformed. This is, this is an important understanding that Jesus doesn't physically return to the earth There's a trumpet shout from from heaven, and boom, the the graves are opened, and we follow those who have already died. A a good example of of understanding Jesus talked about, remember in Matthew chapter 25, we're not going to go to these scriptures, but in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells the parable of the ten bridesmaids Who were to wait for the bridegroom. And five of them had enough oil for their lamps, but five of them didn't. And their chief responsibility was to wait for the bridegroom, to be prepared, to to have everything at the ready so that when the bridegroom came, they would all be ready. Well, that is Jesus helping to understand how we are to be prepared for his return. And then in First Thessalonians 5 that, that we've, we've been talking about here, it says in verse 2, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. So both in Matthew 25 where it talks about bridegrooms, or or, excuse me, the bridegroom and bridesmaids, and in 1 Thessalonians 5 both of those are describing Jesus' return. The rapture event when Jesus comes for His church, what He's doing is he's, He's not gathering buildings, He's gathering believers. Remember, the church is not a building. The church is not all of the people in the building. The church are those people who are the genuine followers of Jesus Christ. So in any given church building on a Sunday, some of the people are part of the church and some are not. Based on whether they are committed followers of Jesus Christ. So when that day comes, when Jesus comes for his bride, we will be caught up to to go into the air. And at the rapture, Jesus is in heaven. God gives the signal, and Jesus appears, and he retrieves his church out of the world. The church is raptured. It is caught up out of the earth. Now, the other event, the, the revelation, the second coming of Christ is a separate event. Jesus comes as king, and he will return to the, church, to the world with his church in tow. This, this will be a cataclysmic moment. It, the Bible says, and I'll read this in Matthew 24:27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Every eye is going to see Jesus in great power and great glory. This is different from the rapture where he comes like a thief in the night. At the rapture, he doesn't come to the earth, but he remains above the earth, and we meet him in the air. At his second coming, he will come, <clears throat> come down, and his feet will first touch down at the Mount of Olives over in Israel, the same place where he ascended up from, just like the angel said. And, and the place that he left is where he comes back. At the rapture, no one comes with the Lord. He comes for his church. At the second coming, it says that the armies of heaven accompany Jesus. Now, the armies in Revelation 19, I read earlier, the armies of heaven dressed in their finest of pure white linen follow him on white horses. Guess who the armies of heaven are? the church. We accompany Jesus. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute, I, I didn't sign up to be in an army. I, I, there's not a draft and I didn't enlist. Don't worry. All we are are cheerleaders. Jesus doesn't need us to do anything. We just come along to, to cheer on Jesus, to support him. Jesus is the one with the power, and and we get into the fact that you know he out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword, and I mean, Jesus doesn't need us, but I, I just want you to understand that when Jesus comes down in the second coming, the church, the army of heaven, comes with Jesus. But that also does tell us that the rapture occurs before the second coming because believers can't very well accompany Jesus if we haven't been raptured yet. And so that, that's the important thing to understand. Now, some people will say, well, the word rapture isn't even in the Bible. It doesn't. That's just something somebody made up. Well, yeah, the word rapture is in the Bible. It's just not spelled R-A-P-T-U-R-E because rapture is the English word for a Greek word. And, And I don't try to get into the Greek all of the time, you know, and the Greek says this. But there is a Greek word called harpazo. And the word harpazo means to catch up or to snatch away. Remember, Paul wrote in Greek, not English. I know that comes as a shock sometimes for us, but Paul wrote in Greek, and he used the word harpazo to describe the catching away or the rapture of the church. Well, you say, well, where does the word rapture come from then? Well, rapture is the English version of Of the Latin word rapturo. Now you're getting into theology. When the Bible was first translated, from the original language of, of which by the way the bible was first written in hebrew in greek in aramaic and in a few other languages so you know the the bible was written over a over a thousand year period about a 1400 year period Well, not everybody spoke English, believe it or not, back in those days. And so the Bible was written in a variety of different languages. And when the Bible was first translated, it was translated into Latin. Because the Roman world, when the Bible came together, was a Latin-speaking world. And so what happened was they took that word, the Greek word harpazo, and they translated it as rapturo. And the word rapturo, when it was translated to English, became rapture. So in 1 Thessalonians, for instance, chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, Paul says we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living with when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. And the voice of the archangel will be the um, and the and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth this is it, will be caught up. That's the word harpazo or rapturo, into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, the word harpazo is used 13 times in the New Testament. In every single instance, it is used to describe to catch away, to snatch, to take by force, to be carried away, to be transported, to be delivered. So what this tells us is at the end of the age, the church is going to be caught up. It's going to be snatched. It's going to be taken by force. It is harpazoed. It is raptured. Now, the question always on everybody's mind is, does the church go through the tribulation? And I want to say, before I tell you, what, tell you what I think is the case, ultimately, it's God's call, isn't it? Whether we, you know, we can all sit here and collectively agree on how we think it ought to happen, but we don't get a vote in this. God has the only vote. Now, I personally do not believe that we will go through the rapture or or through the tribulation. And I will explain to you why here to the best of my ability. First of all, Jesus said that no one would know the day or the hour when he would return to the earth and when when he comes with the saints So if the church were to go through the tribulation and we're here on earth during the tribulation, then we would see the Antichrist doing his thing. And we know from from the Bible that three and a half years into the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to do what is called the abomination of desolation. He is going to set himself up as the, the king of the earth, and he is going to desecrate the temple, which, by the way, doesn't yet exist. And so we know that if on that day when he desecrates the temple, that it would be three and a half years until he returns. Well, Jesus already says you can't know when he returns. And so that right there says that we we would have a pretty good idea of of the date that Jesus would return. The Bible teaches that we're going to be caught up in the rapture, marking the end of the church age. And I believe it will be the rapture of the church that actually triggers the tribulation. Once the church is gone out of the world, then God's restraint on evil is going to be pulled back. And the turmoil and the panic and the mayhem that is going to be caused by the disappearance of millions of people worldwide is what's going to give rise to all of the the disaster, all of the the, the craziness that is going to be the, the cause of the tribulation. And so a world leader is going to rise up to bring all of that under control, and this will be the Antichrist. Also, the tribulation is known as the day of God's wrath. that it is a a period of of unbelievable, horrible, experience here on the earth and when when god pours out his wrath he's pouring it out on a world that has has turned its back on him that has mocked him that has persecuted him and his believers and that has you know has categorically rejected him and the bible says that god does not pour out his wrath on His bride. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5 it says, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when He returns, we can live with Him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Well, if we're going through seven years of horrific persecution and tribulation, where God is is pouring out His wrath in ever increasing um, violence, where's the comfort in that? Uh, You know, the the wrath of God is for is for those people who have rejected and, and who are unsaved. Third, this is what the Lord Jesus said in Revelation 3.10 to the church at Philadelphia. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. So the body of Christ, the church, we don't belong to this world and Jesus says, I'm going to keep you from this, this persecution. God is not going to beat up his bride with his wrath. Uh, you know, now he will chastise us from time to time. In this world, we will have trials. We will have tribulation. But the tribulation of God's wrath is not chastisement. It's wrath reserved for the wicked. And and again, I think it's after the bride has been removed. The fourth thing is during the tribulation, the church is going to be busy in heaven. While the earth is experiencing tribulation, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, that's not a bad thing. You know, don't go, oh, no, I didn't study for this. You know, the the judgment seat of Christ is where we as believers will come before Christ and he examines our lives and he will reward us accordingly. If you want to read about that because of time, I'm not going to. First Corinthians three. Um, 11 through 15. At the judgment seat of Christ, this is where believers will receive their rewards. And their rewards are crowns. And there is a crown of rejoicing, a crown of an incorruptible crown, the crown of glory, the crown of life. And Paul also talks about a crown of righteousness. So after we have have stood before Jesus and He has, has judged our life and and has rewarded us for what we have done and burned away what we have not done, then we will, we will enter into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is the celebration where Jesus is officially married to his bride, the church. It is a glorious celebration, and and you can read about that in Revelation 19, verses 7 through 10. Then, after that, we, the bride of Christ, in our white robes, get on horses, woo-hoo, giddy up, and we follow Jesus back down to the earth at his second coming. Again, I want to say, God has a perfect plan. And if his plan is for the church to go through some of the tribulation, all of the tribulation, none of the tribulation, if we don't understand a clue of it, God's plan is perfect, and our job is to be faithful and true till he calls us home, whenever that is. Now, I'm getting real short on time, so I'll hurry. Here are some things from Jesus himself. On Matthew, in Matthew chapter 24, one of the best places where you can hear from Jesus himself On his second return and and all of that. This is what Jesus has to say in Matthew 24, verse 36 Don't let anyone set a date for you, but that of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. It will be a normal day, a business as usual day. Matthew 24, 38, For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Again, no one knows the day, Matthew 24, 42. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the hour of your Lord's coming. So what do you do? Be ready, because it's going to happen when you're least expecting it. Matthew 24, Therefore, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus is coming suddenly at any moment. We're not waiting on anything else to happen. All we're doing is looking to Jesus. God is a God of love. If you are not currently saved, you can be. Don't test God. He will show you mercy, He will show you love, He will show you grace but do it now. There's no reason to wait because the truth is we don't know when Jesus will come. If you slap away the hand of grace that is reaching out to you, you know as sure as the nose is on your face, there is coming a time when you will face the wrath of God. It doesn't have to be that way. Except the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I feel that this is one of those messages where I pray that through your Holy Spirit, what came out of my mouth will be received with clarity and and truth. Lord, Lord, I ask that you make it clear to each of us what we need to hear. And more than anything else, Father, I just pray that you will draw us to yourself so that you are glorified. Help us to have the ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen.